Spice, watch aroma fill the room. Come sit with fingertips, swings and guys to consume. Speak your secrets with dim lights. Follow your instinct and keep it sexy. I sexy food, sexy drink. Welcome to the Swigs and Grinds podcast. Pull up a seat at the table and join me in chatting with some of my best drinking buddies and dinner guests for conversations about all things sexy food and sexy drinks. This is the place where we share our own stories and talk with the best in the business of eating, drinking, and being merry. Cheers. So back in October of 2009, I wrote a blog post called Sexy Food, and this was the first time that I'd written about the question that was posed to me originally by my food-loving sister, which was, can food be sexy? Of course it can, was my answer way back then, before I really knew even how much sexy food would become part of my future. This conversation started, though, when, while eating a pomegranate, my sister said to her boyfriend that pomegranates are a sexy food. He didn't get it and was like, how is a pomegranate sexy? And so my sister tossed the question to me. And I entered the conversation by considering foods that I definitely felt like were unsexy. Pickled pig's feet, liver, and reasoned, thankfully, that there was an even greater list of foods that made the sexy category. So we went back and forth from raspberries floating in champagne to carnivorous platters of barbecued ribs, the obvious oysters and dark chocolate, and then, you know, oozy melting cheese. And so this began my quest and my conversations surrounding the sexiness of food and drinks. A few years later, I started cooking professionally, and sexy food became my culinary point of view, as they say. Um, I practiced creating beautiful food that you eat with your eyes first, and I started to dabble in wacky, unorthodox combinations of sweet and spicy and herbaceous and savory. And there was the black sesame ice cream as an appetizer and the lavender roast chicken, the Berean apple pizza with green pea puree sauce, candy beets over strawberry guava sorbet with balsamic reduction for dessert, and on and on and on. And let's not forget about the sexy beverages. My first cocktail recipe, such as it was, that I posted on the blog was a lemon rosemary cocktail, which was soon followed by lychee and then a ginger martini, a boozy shave ice, and my deep dive into Australian wines. And there was even a non-alcoholic chai recipe. Eventually, I began to write about local distilleries, breweries, and watering holes, and finally began to travel with a thirst for a Brunello de Montalcino in Tuscany, and there was a flaming cocktail in Barcelona, and Mezcal in south of Oaxaca. And now I get to dive into more juicy conversations and explorations of sexy food and drinks here on the Swigs and Grinds podcast. So for this first episode, I thought it would only be right to begin by introducing you to the person that not only put sexy food into my head all those years ago, 
but is one of my biggest inspirations and all-around favorite people, my big sister, Sandra Bailey. So pull up a chair. Cheers. Sandra Bailey is an amazingly talented artist residing on the beautiful island of Maui. She's a woodturner, a painter, a jewelry maker, the sexy food originator, and lucky for me, my big sister. We're almost 11 years apart in age, and so she's always been one of my first and greatest teachers. Welcome to the first episode of the Swigs and Grind podcast, Sandra Bailey. Hey. Nice to meet you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for taking some time out of your busy creating schedule and bearing with me on our technical difficulties. No Hopefully worries. we will be synced up quite nicely. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm hot in my little cottage, but I'm so excited to be talking with you in our anticipation of launching the Swigs and Grinds podcast I'm so excited um, for you. Thank you. Me too. Um, so let's just get right into it. Um, I wanted to talk to you a little bit because you are the sexy food originator. And not um, sure how that happened. I just know that you're the you're the professional. And um, but I wanted to take it back first to our childhood. Um, we grew up in pretty different environments because of our age difference. And you and Debbie, our older sister, grew up with our mom and dad on the res, as it's <laughs> affectionately referred to, the Indian Reservation in Minnesota until until they divorced and you guys were teenagers, right? And then um, I kind of grew up like an only child with these cool older siblings uh, in the mountains in California with mom and our stepdad. And so our childhood connections are a little bit different, but I just wanted to start at childhood because, um, that's usually where most food memories begin. So tell me about the food that reminds you most of childhood. (laughs) Oh gosh. I think because, you know, like a lot of, um, uh, the food that's around today, like the combinations of things, it was a lot more simpler when we were growing up. It was just like meat and potatoes and, you know, kind of boring food, like not a lot of flavors. And, you know, I mean, our mom had a garden usually uh, on the res. And um, that's when we got, you know, good fresh food. But it wasn't like super, you know, uh, very... Um, what's the word, like uh, gregarious food or sexy gregarious. food. <laughs> it wasn't very sexy. <laughs> it wasn't very sexy. It Probably was pretty not very exotic. Not very seasoned, but it was fresh. Right. Mostly. <laughs> so what, um, what was some of your like childhood favorite foods or foods that you remember from childhood? Mm. Um, Garden? Well, yeah, the garden food was always good, like fresh corn, nothing like fresh corn, right? And our mom used to 
um, can things a lot. So she would make like beets, you know, pickled beets or things like that were like good memory food. But then I also remember coming. Did you like beets as a kid? I think I did. Yeah. Because the way she made them was pretty good. Pickled, pickled beets. Sorry. And then coming home. Oh, coming home, I remember in high school making Velveeta cheese and Spam sandwiches on white bread. Wow. That's the res. And that's that the res, the food, right? Isn't that That the, wasn't. Uh, that was actually in high school when I, was, when I was in California. Oh, yeah. But that's kind of a staple, probably. That's a single mom staple. It's some Spam and cheese sandwiches. <laughs> That wasn't actually from mom either. That was me making it. So that's probably why. Ew. I but know. who eats Velveeta cheese with Spam? Wow. See, this is what I mean. Our childhoods were so different. <laughs> <laughs> what? You never ate that? Hell no. Oh, good. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, we come from a, a huge family of cooks, but, you know, like grandma and all of our aunties, they grew up not on a farm in Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> Except for you, of course. <laughs> well, I think that they were good at doing what they did. Like they were good at making something out of nothing and feeding a mountain of people with what they grew or what they traded. Like oh, mommy's yeah. telling me about, yeah. about, you know, grandpa was the the farmer mm. and raised the animals and would trade for flour or sugar or right. you know, yeah. butter or you know, mm-hmm. or I guess they made their own butter. Um, but I think there was probably something that seeped down into us from them. And then our stepdad, Jerry, you know, was a butcher and a, a entrepreneur and definitely a hustler when he was a child hustling golf balls on the, on the <laughs> driving range and such. Um, but yeah, I mean, my childhood memories are a little bit different because, our parent, my, our mom and stepdad married when I was what five, and yeah, it doesn't. So, seem, it seemed like you grew up more with our stepfather than I did. So definitely mm-hmm. from five on, and you guys were already teenagers then. Yeah. So at that time, he was a butcher and a mm. meat man, and was a total and is still a total meat snob because he knew quality and you know like he was also an entrepreneurial person who was about also eating and drinking and being merry. That may be one of the things that they taught us, <laughs> taught me anyway. What, when you think of back to our childhood, as far as um, mom, Jerry, uh, grandma, grandpa, aunties, uncles, what, if anything, did you learn from them as far as food and drinks and how to kind of create that kind of sexy, sexy food that you are famous for? Hmm. Well, I don't know if I they taught me that, but I had just this probably the socialness of food, you know, because it was always like our family gathered uh, around, you know, food. Like we would, grandma always had like big dinners and stuff. And I remember having a big table and having the little table for the little kids like us. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, for sure. Those family gatherings, I think definitely taught me the, the eat, drink and be merry part of my philosophy, especially with swigs and grinds is 
it was always a huge table and, you know, crazy. Like our family's crazy. A lot of talking. A lot of talking. Grandpa Phil's famous. Grandpa's Phil Phil's famous line. Listen, Listen to, to the mouths. <laughs> Every dinner. Because there would be so much talking, so many people. And I think um, it bothered him. Oh God, I know. If it were back up to him, our... he probably would have had it quiet. Like nobody talks exactly. at dinner, but he couldn't. Exactly. Well, yeah, him. that's our mother and aunties and uncles' stories from their childhood is you did not talk at the dinner table. You sat there and you ate what you got and you got what you ate and you finished it and there was no talking. They had to let her rip. I know they definitely went the other direction because I I mean, we all we remember the famous pie fight that happened in grandma's kitchen, which our little very stern grandmother, all of four foot seven, probably German who ran the uh, kitchen with a tight fist and her family who was definitely never allowed to throw food let alone in her kitchen but the famous pie fight that happened with her, I were you there you were there I was yeah you're a teenager yeah I was probably like seven or eight or something and I just remember thinking oh my god grandma's gonna kill everybody after this yeah but I also remember like I remember looking around the corner in grandma's kitchen and thinking Oh, that's cool. Like when you are a grown up, you can kind of you can get be away with sometimes. Things. Yes. And the be merry of our family, I think, you know, when I go back now and hang out with the craziness of our family, especially when we're all together, even if it's just me and you, you know, it we're it's we believe in the being merry of eat and drink and be merry. And I feel like that's I think definitely it's one of the we things. enjoy each other so much too. It's just easy to have fun with you. Yes. <laughs> Back at you. <laughs> oh, um, and I think things that I learned from those early days of having our parents be entrepreneurs was um, in the butcher shop. You know, when I was little, little, like, God, I was probably like first grade or whatever. And I learned the like, I remember seeing a whole animal hanging from the yeah. You know, walk in or the hooks, you know, a deer, it was deer season. We grew up in the mountains in the middle of nowhere and people would hunt deer and bring them into Jerry to butcher the deer, which he would do after hours after the store was closed. It was dark and quiet and they would have these whole deer with hooves and all that. Mm, I'm glad I missed that. <laughs> he would break down these deer. And I just remember thinking like, I just remember seeing one of those walking around in the garden yesterday and here it is laying on this table. I didn't even realize where meat came from until I was about 12. I think I told yeah. you this, right? Because our yes. mothers, our parents, I think a lot really... of people still don't realize. <laughs> <laughs> well, our parents used to really try to, you know, shelter us from harm, I guess, <laughs> but yeah. really where meat comes from. Yeah, exactly. Which is interesting because the Mm. other half of our heritage is Native American, which was that culture, which we didn't get to really experience because we were so many generations removed from the hunters and the gatherers. But really, you know, what, only maybe three or four generations. Our dad hunted. I, I, I don't think you remember that because you may not have been born yet, but I remember hunting. We were car hunting, though. Car hunting, car well, hunting well, from hunting inside of cars, car. not hunting for cars, but like hunting from the car. You actually oh, drive God. along, 
Luckily, we never got anything when I was there. So <laughs> our Native American ancestors are shaking their heads right now in their graves. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I'm I think that's something that has happened over the generations. And I've been thinking about a lot lately um, because we've gotten so far removed from our where food. our food comes from yeah. and either even just growing it or let alone hunting it, you know, and having to kill it and process it and whatever. But it really, you know, I think when I was little, I realized, oh, you know, because my job late at night, they would cut the deer. And I, my job, one of the other things I learned from that time was good penmanship because <laughs> my job at <laughs> seven years old or however, Jerry would cut the meat, mom would wrap the meat in the paper. Put the tape on. My job was to have one of those black oil pencils, you know, those. Mm. And my job was to write the cut of meat on it. And mom would always be like, you have to write it really neat. So that was my, like, my big job. What's oh, the cool. right? <laughs> right, the names. But I just always remember them being, you know, I didn't know it then. But just now that I look back, seeing them as so entrepreneurial, but also in the food biz, Um and learning hard work and passion and all that stuff. But I really didn't start cooking. Although I say that I didn't really start cooking until I was, you know, 20 or whatever. And <laughs> you living cook. on my own. You but really, you yeah, people you would ask me all the time when I had the cafe, um, you know, or people would say, oh, you know, how did you get, how did you become a chef? How did blah, blah, blah. And I'd be like, I don't know. I really didn't mean to. It just kind of fell out of the sky. And, and then I would say, where did you grow up and what did your parents do? And I would be like, oh, well, they had a butcher shop when I was a kid. And then they opened a restaurant and I worked in the restaurant forever. And then I, you know, worked in the industry a little bit. And then I did photography and yada, yada. And then like, then I started a blog and I started writing about food, (laughs) started writing for other things. And then I'm like, oh, obviously. Yeah. There's a pattern here. (laughs) To be a professional eater and drinker. It's in my genes. Well, speaking Uh, of, of the meat thing. Like knowing where your food comes from. I just got rid of uh, five rabbits and six chickens because I couldn't kill them and I couldn't let anybody else kill them. So I could be a vegetarian very easily if I didn't have have a meat in your life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Well, that's the thing. I always say like everyone who eats meat should probably have to go and hunt it and kill it and whatever. And, but I say that, but I'm all talk. I really don't want to do it either. No. <laughs> I like that it comes in a nice plastic silicone to whatever it comes in. Not silicone. Cellophane. Cellophane. <laughs> um, okay. So anyway, when did you discover that food can be sexy? Because that is really the conversation and why my food philosophy, such as it is, became the thing was because of that initial conversation with you way back in 2009 when, as you may or may not remember, but I do because I wrote the blog post about it, when you were eating a pomegranate and decided it was sexy food and your boyfriend didn't understand. Um, But was that when you discovered that food could be sexy or did you always feel like Like, when do you remember discovering, like, oh, my God, this is sexy food? (laughs) Well, I think that, you know, people like Bev Gannon and, you know, Roy from Roy's, Roy Yamaguchi, 
I think those, you know, when that came around, like probably 1990 and after that, like, you know, Mm -hmm. and Wolfgang Puck, of course, in the beginning, like making his sexy pizzas and all, I think, Mm -hmm. you know, that's what started it all. Like, I don't think anybody thought food could be sexy, right? But like a pomegranate, for instance, like when you're eating a pomegranate, the juice is going down your arm and it's like the red, deep, rich red color of it and the seeds popping in your mouth, just the textures and the whole thing, you know, it's like, it's a real um, sensual experience. For sure. Yeah. And I think most people like feeling their senses, right? Yeah. Well, I think the nineties, you're right. That was, that was when you were in your twenties and that was when. That was like the real breakout of you know, yeah. gourmet foods and, and people experimenting in the United States. Yeah. And people experimenting with fusion foods and, you know, different things. So it was a really yeah. exciting time. Oh, for sure. Especially probably coming from the res and then growing up in the mountains. And then that was when you were in Northern California and then in Southern California and LA during those yeah. years. So I'm sure your eyes were opening to. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I, I just yeah. always appreciated good flavors, you know, like um, interesting flavor combinations. And like, I didn't try ju- uh, sushi until I was about 20. Be- and it didn't wasn't really in the US yet, you know, but and, and again, it was in the 80s that I think sushi really became a big deal in the US. And once I discovered that I was like, holy wow. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, really interesting foods out here. And with the Japanese yeah. food, it's not just the taste, but it's also the presentation and the, you know, it's just yeah, so beautiful presented. That goes into that. And I think yeah. that you really got a lot of that in your, you know, you're very artistic. Uh, so you've not only made the food taste good, but it's visually beautiful as well. Well, you probably taught me that. We eat with our eyes, right? You definitely taught me that. Yes. Well, I remember back in the early days when I was a teenager and just graduated from high school, which was 91. So it was right during those years when I moved to Hawaii, to Hawaii and to Maui and lived with you. And we would go to a restaurant like we, Bev Gannon, you know, at high, she's the highly Miley general Mm -hmm. store, right? Um, Which was some of the first, besides Wolfgang Puck and, that back in the day was the first where for me too, when you were opening your eyes to it, you were opening my eyes to it and I was just a kid. And so I feel like I had such an advantage because of you. Um, but I remember going to places and we would go home and you would be like, I got to figure out how to make that. And you would. And I was just like, Oh my God, you're such a freaking magician. <laughs> but and now you- you're doing the same thing, but you're taking it next level. <laughs> I know. And you and mom call me for like to phone a friend and I'm like, what are you guys talking about? You taught me everything. (laughs) But when did you, when did you really learn to cook? Because you learned to eat probably. I still don't know how. I use a lot of recipes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You are a recipe girl for sure. I am. Yeah. But I'm more and more, I'm like you where I can wing it on, on things, especially if you've made them a hundred times from the same recipe. Yeah. So what in your like in your early 20s, that's really probably when you learned to cook. Uh, that's when you really. I don't think I, had, um, I was more interested in going out to restaurants in my 20s. So and I would just eat whatever it was to be quick. So okay. I, I guess it wasn't 30s. my 30s. Yeah. When I was in my 20s, you were in your 30s. Yeah. So. Right. 
Yeah. And that's when I was in Maui. That's when you started to do this magic. And now you work from home. You're yeah. an artist. Um, work from home. You guys make amazing. You do it all. This girl, she's. And so you basically cook three meals a day. Give or I take. don't know. No, I like having breakfast and like a late lunch. I call it dinner or dunch. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Because, yeah, I probably only eat two meals a day and, and drink, you know, like a green drink or a smoothie in between. Yeah, that's good. That's probably why you're so svelte and savvy at your old age. <laughs> yes, as she flexes the guns. <laughs> um, so what keeps you inspired as far as ideas, uh, you know, especially when you're cooking the same thing or whatever? Do you, are you, you're a recipe girl. So are you, a, are, do you follow blogs or podcasts or Pinterest or what's your, what's your go-to for inspiration? Um, hunger. <laughs> hunger is usually my inspiration, <laughs> but I don't know. I, I, I really like, um, uh, like Thai food and Vietnamese and things like that, that use really fresh ingredients and really tasty ingredients like flavors, like um, peppers and, you know, the coconut flavor with the uh, curries and things like that. I, I really like that. Summer rolls, do summer rolls a lot. Yeah, I like those things, especially in the summer. Winter, a little more like, you know, soups and things, you know, heartier foods, but yeah, I like the Asian cuisine, especially since we live in Hawaii. We have such access to Asian uh, ingredients. Yes, for sure. Um, so, are you? Do you get? Are you a cookbook? Is that your main oh, source? Of, um, for I like, I like to go to Pinterest a lot because the visual you too. Are. You know, I hate a recipe book without photos. Why bother? Everyone, I hate it. Like, and or like black and white, photos? like there's illustrations no yeah no yeah don't do it if you're thinking about making a cookbook without photos <laughs> you heard it here yeah. <laughs> don't, don't even bother us. we'll take it we'll take the pictures there are a lot of great food podcasts too that i've been listening to which is weird because i'm a very visual person too being a photographer from my years and mm -hmm. i love a photograph but i also there's so many great um people that are talking about food and talking about their passions and whatever that is, that's kind of what made me realize like, maybe I should do a freaking podcast. Like, I mean, I can talk about food all day. Plus you hate talking, right? Talking and eating and drinking. Um, and also speaking of books <clears throat> and we're starting, as you know, the Swigs and Grinds book club coming. Yes. I'm very excited about that. Finally launching in December. So you being one of the mandatory <laughs> founding members as my sister. I'm grateful for that. Okay, so um, really, I'm just excited to have you on because I just wanted to make sure that I introduce the world to the sexy food originator um, who got my mind thinking about sexy food so many years ago, but also who really, like, you really... You're the teacher of it for me. And I'm excited to then be able to share that with our community and our um, followers that also have resonated with sexy food that it, you know, it doesn't have to be just 
you know, you're not just eating a bowl of blueberries, you, you know, if you really yeah. take well, some I remember, time to savor it. Yeah. And I remember like teaching you, um, you know, like if you have good dishes, don't wait for a special occasion to use them. Use your time now. Use it, you know, it's like every yes. meal. We don't know if we have tomorrow. You exactly. know, use your stuff. Make it pretty. Make it sexy. Yes. Really. And that too, it's part of the, um, I feel like that's part of the being merry part of the eat, drink, and be merry. It's mm -hmm. like the little things, being merry is like those little things that bring you joy. And I, I, even while cooking, like I have certain little like strainers or knives or a little, mm -hmm. my little pan, you know, like I, I have it more certain fun. things yeah. yeah, that I just love. And it's, you know, it's silly, but it kind of makes me, it just makes it more fun. It makes it happy, you know, and, and the people that we share it with, that's the being merry part. You can right? feel so the love. I'm very grateful for you for teaching me that and continuing to teach me that. Um, and for just being able to help me introduce the world to the Swigs and Grinds podcast. Um, so in closing, I have our eat, drink, and be merry questions. Oh, okay. So, you know, sort of, I say speed round, but take your time, you know, but hurry up. Take your up. time, but hurry up. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So number one, tell me about the last sexy beverage you've had. Could be a cocktail, could be a mocktail, could be a coffee, a juice, or whatever, but sexy and why? The last one. Um, probably a tea I made. A cold tea because it's been so hot here. I made cardamom and basil iced tea. That was kind of sexy. Cardamom and basil with like a cardamom seeds pot? Yeah, make cardamom, the cardamom seeds, and boil them, and then I used uh, dried basil. Works great. And just let that steep after it boils. I don't you boil dry it yourself or like yeah. the kind in the little shaker thing. I got it from the health food store. So in bulk. Dried basil in bulk from the health food yeah. store. I never. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I have, have a lot of basil growing. I did try fresh and it made it a little strong tasting. So I think the dried is better for tea. That is very sexy, darling. Yeah. Anything. Okay. Cardamom, right. God, you know about my cardamom addiction. Let's not go there. Okay. Uh, number two. Tell me your top three sexy foods and why. You know sushi is my number one because it's beautiful. The tastes are fabulous together. Eh, you know the rest. Um, the next one would be um, the tiki salad from, it used to be Avalon in Lahaina many years ago, but it was, um, who was the chef, Heidi? Uh, oh, Mark. Mark Elman. Yeah. Hmm. Mark Elman. He has a oh. cookbook with that dish in it, but it's like a stack of uh, mashed potatoes oh, and salmon and eggplant and tomato. And it's just. Eggplant. Oh. I always forget the eggplant yeah. in that. That's such a weird addition, but it you worked. The and then that, it. didn't that end up being at, I mean, you might know. That was somewhere no. else, huh? No. See, but that's I, one of your famous ones. I copy that all the time. Yeah, okay. And you so comment was, on, on the pictures of it and you're like, oh my God, you're amazing. I'm like, dude, <laughs> you, <laughs> you taught me that. Okay. You said choose three, right? Okay. Yep. One more. Choose three. Um, wait, what was the question? My favorite. <laughs> um, <laughs> top three sexy foods. We got a oh, sexy food. Okay. Sushi. We got a, um, the that snack. was a salmon tea 
snack. It was a salad. Yeah. It was called a salad. Yeah. Um, birds and a salad. Oh, you know, a beet salad is, you can't beat that. <laughs> See what you did there. Beets with uh, feta cheese and uh, balsamic. Mm. Yeah. Roasted beets, though. It has to be roasted beets. And little yeah. pumpkin seeds on top. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. That's lunch. Okay. What is your go-to sexy food to eat at home? Like something either you cook or like some weird sneaky mm-hmm. little thing that you pick up and you have it in the fridge where you're like, I need something sexy. Yeah, and you yeah. reach for that. I had some white chocolate um, raspberry truffle ice cream the other day that was pretty bomb. Jesus, lady from where? Tom Diggity from the Pukalani Superette. Hey, shout out to our friends at the Pukalani Superette. <laughs> Unpaid sponsor. <laughs> Night. Wait, what? Say that again. A white, white chocolate raspberry chunk. Yeah, oh, raspberry right. truffle. Your name all over it. If that bad. doesn't say Sandra Bailey. I don't know what does. <laughs> um, okay, number four. What is something that when you see it on a menu, it could be a food or a drink, you order it every time? Like if you see it, you just close the menu and you're like, done. <laughs> Do you have one of those? Um, Food or drink? Yeah, probably a Moscow mule. Oh, there's our girl. <laughs> and only when you're with me, apparently. <laughs> well, that's the only time I drink. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> okay, speaking of, nice segue, finish this sentence. Mm-hmm. A cocktail is... Yeah, cocktail is uh, wonderful at the wonderful at the right wunderbar. <laughs> um, okay, number six, the strangest thing you've ever eaten. Probably a guinea pig in Peru, and it was not hey. cooked well. It was like a leather glove. <laughs> it was terrible. Mm. It for one, <laughs> hardly meat on it, and it's like you're eating a little pet thing you know or a rodent yeah yeah sometimes you just okay. have to do what you got to do when you're in the neighborhood right but sometimes you also then get to have the story of i ate a guinea pig in peru so <laughs> it's all worth it because you sound like a world traveling badass um okay uh okay this one doesn't have to be brief and it can be x-rated if you want to it can be whatever you want that's just my preface okay tell me about the best experience you've ever had over a meal over a meal yeah over a meal oh gosh wow (laughs) inside of a meal (laughs) around a meal oh that's a tough one because you know there's been so many i know you have had some great meals i have um Oh, I think, yeah, I think I've mentioned this before. This was at the um, Rainbow Room in New York City at the top of what building? I'm not sure, but it's on the top floor and the whole uh, floor rotates Mm -hmm. like the whole building top. of. I don't know. (laughs) It was just wild. Yeah. One of those. Yeah. It was an excellent meal and the musicians in that there was like a full orchestra playing in front of us. And during your time that you're eating, the whole band switches out one by one person. So you never know that the players have changed 
positions. Wow. They're not changing positions. They're changing people. So musicians. a matter of time. <laughs> yeah, it was very interesting. Anyway, yeah. So that was more the ambiance of the meal was unforgettable. Yeah, the food was pretty darn good too. I yeah. bet. But sometimes that is a thing. That's a real thing. Part of a sexy yeah. food or drink experience sometimes is just where you are and who you're with, right? Right. Think Mama's Fish House. How about that location? It. Are yeah. they closed? I heard that. I did hear yeah. that, which would be shameful, but. It would. Um, okay. Well, speaking of your last meal, what would it be? <laughs> It would be the best sushi I could get a hold of. Yeah. Would it be with you? But yes, obviously I'm fishing here. <laughs> sushi though. Would it, any yeah. specific, like what's your go? I always make you order when we have sushi. Because I just, <laughs> you do. Cause you're scared. I do. Um, I, do. I, like I make everybody up. order. I just, I want everything. Exactly. Everything. It would have to be everything, but I love a good chirashi bowl. Which is basically yeah. sushi unwrapped, right? Unwrapped. Sushi unwrapped. unwrapped. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, okay, speaking of Mama's Fish House and whatever, before we go, um, I just want to find out how everything is going on Maui. You guys are about to reopen to tourism. Yeah, we actually have already. There's been, I think they said, uh, like, 8,000 people per day coming in or something. Maybe that's all of the islands. I don't know, but I definitely noticed the other no, day when that's I went probably to Costco. Just because I saw some big number that was <clears throat> Yeah, I went to Costco And so for Saturday you, what does this mean? Be... I'm sorry? For you, what does this mean as far as your art? Um, because you have kind of a, it's a, what is it, a residency? A artist? What do you call yeah, it at the Four Seasons? Um, we show at a couple of the hotels in Wailea. So um, they'll be opening the end of November. Nice. So, so you're back to work, basically. How's it been for you during the pandemic with working from home? You always work from home, but. Yeah, it's been, it's been it? great um, in the sense that, you know, you didn't have to worry about time so much, like you're working on stuff that you can't, you know, try. So it's been a, a good time to try new things, like things that I've always wanted to try, but haven't. And I think a lot of people have had that experience. Um, but it's also been like kind of an emotional roller coaster of not knowing what the future was going to hold and, you know. For sure. So, and so but what, can you that, give us a little sneak peek of what kind of new things you're talking about? So are you talking about painting? Are you talking about wood turning? Are you talking about jewelry? Are you talking about building a tiny house in your backyard? Raising <laughs> well, chickens and bunnies? <laughs> All of the above. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, and yes. Um, new things. Yeah, with painting, I've been doing these things where I'm actually cutting out the animals that I'm painting. And so it gives them more of a 3D effect. Um, with turning, I've been working on some texturing on pieces and painting pieces as well. So, yeah. Nice. Well, before we go, where can people find you? I'm on Instagram at uh, Sandra's Art 16, or um, our woodwork is Turning Into Art on Instagram, all one word, turning into art. 
Yep. Nice. And you have a website that is soon to be launched? Soon to be released. Stay tuned on Instagram and uh, you can find out the scoops on that. But yes, where people you can have also a, um, a virtual or a, a store on your website soon, right? Where right. people can mm-hmm. purchase your everything, paintings, wood turning and jewelry. Correct. Yes. Correct. Hallelujah. Finally, she listened to me. <laughs> well, Sandra Bailey, I would like to propose a toast to you. I am forever grateful for you in so many ways. Best big sister and influence, good and bad. Yeah. (laughs) The person I laugh with the most who I call and who can tell when I'm upset within two seconds of hearing my voice. Who knows me best, is always in my corner, has the best monthly laugh, is generous. (laughs) Like creative and talented and who has taught me what sexy food is my darling i can't wait to eat and drink with you again in person yeah cheers, cheers. thank you for thank being you. The Thanks first for having me. And good luck with your podcast i know it's going to do well because you're such an awesome curator love thank you though. i'm happy you have been taught everything you know All right, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. And may you eat sexy food and drink sexy drinks and laugh your ass off today. Cheers. God, I love that woman. She has taught me all the things. Please check out her artwork at Turning Into Art and Sandra's Art 16 on Instagram. And you can also check out what's going on in the Swigs and Grinds kitchen at Swigs and Grinds on the Insta. Thank you so much for joining us in this first episode of the Swigs and Grinds podcast. I'm so excited to share with you all of the great conversations we have coming up. Also, a huge thank you to Z James and A-Ra for our Swigs and Grinds theme song. And to everyone who I annoyed with all of my questions about how the heck to make a podcast, big love to you all. And so may you eat sexy food and drink sexy drinks until the next episode. Keep it sexy, all right? Sexy food, sexy drink, gotta crush yo. Sexy food, sexy drink, gotta crush you. Sexy food, sexy drink, gotta. Sexy food, sexy drink, gotta. Sexy food, sexy drink, gotta crush you. Sexy food, sexy drink, gotta crush you. Sexy food, sexy drink, gotta crush you. Sexy food.